Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name and invite you to open your Bibles to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, to chapter 6, and I'll begin reading at verse 19. <clears throat> Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19, and I'll be reading this passage from the uh, New King James. <clears throat> Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is a, a familiar passage that we've read many times, the words of Jesus. And um, just like it's, it's important for us to read these things over, think about these things again and again. And um, so we're looking at a familiar passage again. And it's in, it's, it has instruction for us. It has encouragement for us. There's, there's challenge there for us. There's comfort here for us. 
I want us to think particularly about uh, the treasure, this treasure that we are, that he speaks of here in, in the uh, first several verses of the passage that I read. And we're, we know what treasure is. Uh, maybe you've heard of a book, Treasure Island, where people were looking for buried treasure. There was something valuable supposedly buried on the island somewhere, and, and um, the, the, the sailors wanted to find it. It was something that was precious to them, that they put high value on. So that can be different things for different people. Uh, treasure can be wealth, money, uh, possessions, property, uh, all sorts of things like that. But it is also something of great value, something of great worth. And as I believe Jesus is using it here, it is that which is valued most. That which is the most dear. Martin Luther said this one time, or wrote this, What a man loves most, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it. Be it what it may, wealth or money or pleasure or renown. What a man loves most, that is his God, that is his treasure. And in this passage, he speaks about two treasures, an earthly treasure, any earthly thing that's valued highly and most precious to a person, And he speaks of a heavenly treasure, and he compares them. And the commandment that he gives, the instruction that he gives, is lay not up earthly treasures, but lay up heavenly treasures. And why does he say that? He explains that earthly treasure is temporary. It lasts for only a short while, and it's subject to deterioration. It's subject to being uh, stolen. It is perishable. It will not last. We have it today. We may not have it tomorrow. And certainly at some point we won't have it anymore. And in contrast, this heavenly treasure, it is a safe treasure. It is secure. And there there is nothing that will corrupt it. It will not deteriorate. It will not be stolen. Heavenly treasure is part of what Peter writes about in the first chapter of 1 Peter. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now during our life, our lives here on the earth, we're laying up treasure. We're doing something. We're valuing something somewhere, either here on the earth or or in heaven. We have interests. We we are working towards something. We're putting effort to achieve, into achieving something, to get something, to get somewhere. And, And the question here is, what is it? Is it earthly? Is it heavenly? 
how, how tragic it would be if we were to reach all our goals, our treasure ambitions, and got the things that we wished for the very most, but found at the end it was all for nothing. If we then clearly saw that what we had treasured was not a treasure after all, but it ended up being for us a curse, that it was corrupt, that our house was on the sand. Jesus told a parable of a, of a wealthy farmer in Luke 12. We're familiar with that story. He had bountiful crops. His barns were filled to overflowing, and he had plans for uh, an expansion program and bigger barns, and he had plans for future enjoyment and pleasure, but God said, you fool, you're a fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up, lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. <coughs> that has happened to many people who, whose treasure was earthly things. Sometimes their treasures disappeared suddenly. One day they were wealthy and a week later it was all gone. Their circumstances just completely changed. War, it happened to uh, many Russian Mennonites, <clears throat> and, uh, or calamity, a fire, some kind of catastrophe, and everything just disappeared quickly. Sometimes <clears throat> people have treasured their treasure all their life, accumulating and accumulating more and more of what they treasured. They, they were driven to accumulate and, and achieved a lot of what they were going after. Maybe they enjoyed it after a fashion. Maybe it became emptiness to them at some point, as it often does, and didn't deliver what they thought it would. I read something in the Reader's Digest, oh, it's been uh, 30 years ago that I wrote down, and I think I read it once to you all before, but <clears throat> that in about the year 960, there was a gentleman of Spain, Abder Rahman III, and he wrote these words. He was a uh, an emperor or a king or something. And he says, this is what he wrote. I have now reigned about 50 years in victory or peace, beloved by my subjects, dreaded by my enemies and respected by my allies. Riches and honor, power and pleasure have waited on my call, nor does any earthly blessing appear to have been wanting. In this situation, I have diligently numbered the days of pure and genuine happiness which have fallen to my lot. They amount to 14. What a life. 
earthly treasure will, will not really satisfy man, not his deepest needs and longings. Uh, just before the story that Jesus told about the rich fool, farmer, somebody in the crowd said to him, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, he said to the people, Jesus did, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. He didn't offer the man any, any help, any legal advice, any recourse. He just pointed to the, to the problem of his heart, that he was treasuring things of the earth, and that he was covetous. Take heed and beware of covetousness. These things of the earth will not bring you life. They won't give you happiness. They won't lengthen your life or give you eternal life. In Matthew 16, uh, Jesus said this, uh, beginning at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Uh, I checked just to see what uh, the world's economy is valued at. And currently it's around $48 trillion. Which thinking of a U.S. debt of over 16 is not real encouraging to think about. But would a man sell his eternal soul for that, for that value? It would be a, a, a ridiculous, a, a terrible exchange. We read, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break through and steal. The lessons of those verses lay, lay not up earthly treasures but lay up heavenly treasures. And we already noticed that one reason for that is that earthly treasures are temporary, the reason that Jesus gave. Earthly treasures are temporary and subject to loss here. Heavenly treasures are for eternity. But, but there's another reason. <clears throat> your heart follows your treasure. 
where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's telling us that what we treasure, that what we value, what we esteem most, what our heart is, will be what our heart is set on, and what our heart hopes for and delights in. And that is where our thoughts go most often. That's where our hearts are focused, what our hearts desire and long after and are devoted to, and what we set our goals by. And if our treasure is on the earth, our heart will be on the earth. What we value most is earthly, our heart will be on the earth. If our treasure is in heaven, our heart will be in heaven. The heart follows its treasure. That rich young ruler that asked Jesus how he could find eternal life, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, the scripture says, for he had great possessions. This, this young man heard what Jesus said. But his heart wasn't on Jesus. He wasn't treasuring Jesus. He wasn't treasuring Jesus' words. His treasure was great possessions. And his heart went back to what to his possessions. That's where he went. He left Jesus and headed away. He was sad. He wanted to have both. He wasn't ready to surrender his treasure to transfer his devotion and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Eventually, uh, that pursuit will lead you to its end. Whatever we are pursuing will lead us to the end of its, uh, of its end. The person whose heart is set on earthly things, you know, those things will be destroyed, and it leads to destruction. But a person who's, whose heart is set on heavenly treasure, he is being led toward heaven, and that will be his end. Set your affection on things above, Paul wrote, not on things on the earth. Same thing Jesus said. Treasure things above. Don't treasure things on the earth. It's, it's a matter of the heart. What is our treasure? What is our affection, our dearest affection? And, and that's the test. If it's earthly, then, then we're in trouble. We've got some trouble with our heart. And we won't fix it just by giving away all our things. Uh, just by living in poverty doesn't fix it. Um, a person can have no earthly possessions, but long for everything and be a thief. Uh, I saw an awful news story the other day. Um, 
Where did it take place? Uh, Iran. There were a couple of young guys that uh, robbed an older man, knifed him. They didn't kill him, but they knifed him and took his money. And they didn't take that much, but they were caught. And the judge that uh, tried them was a really tough, uh, unmerciful judge. He sentenced them to death. And so they had them out in a, in a public hanging. Normally they would do it in a prison, but they wanted to make a lesson of these guys, and they wanted to um, impress other people with the nature of the crime, the seriousness of the crime, and there's a lot of this going on, and these uh, fellows begged and cried, but or one of them did anyway, but they, they had a couple boom trucks or something and just, uh, just lifted them in the air by their necks, and they were soon dead, just in their early 20s. Poor treasure, poor but wanting things. We can bestow all our goods to feed the poor, uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. But if we do it without charity, if we do it without the heart of a cheerful giver, it is, it is nothing. So it's not just uh, having things or not having things. It's the heart and what it, what it treasures. Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Now, Jesus did tell that rich young ruler to, to uh, sell his things, to give, give his things away to the poor and to follow him. And I, <coughs> I, I read a story recently. I went back and dug it out <clears throat> this morning. A Russian lady wrote about a man, a wealthy man, named Potter, I'll call him. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. And when she was a little girl, she remembered this wealthy man coming to her, to her father. And he had been reading the Gospels, he told her father. And I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Christ. And he wanted to get his money out of the bank and to give it away. Now, I don't know whether Katrina's father was a banker or how, you know, what the connection was, how he was involved, but he helped him. They went to the bank and they loaded many bags of silver, I don't know how big the bags were, into a wagon with three horses uh, hooked up to the front of it. And after the, the coins were, of bags of coins were all loaded onto the wagon, they drove into the poorest part of St. Petersburg and started giving it away. And when the wagon was finally all empty, they returned to Katrina's home. And Potter was dressed in peasant clothes, and he had a staff in his hand and a loaf of bread in a bag, and he went, left. And 
his plan was just to be a vagabond, basically leave all his possessions behind, I don't know about family or other, what we would see as obligations behind, but, but he left everything. He said goodbye, and they watched him till he disappeared uh, that evening. <clears throat> so there are people that have done that. The scripture doesn't teach uh, that there is no place for earthly goods or pursuits, but we must be careful, and we must be careful that we don't just accept the way we have done or the way we are doing as okay and defend our lifestyle and explain away Christ's teaching. Uh, the Bible does clearly teach about dangers of riches and talks about the selfish rich. James 5 is one example. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. A judgment on the on the rich, selfish rich. And notice their riches is corrupted. Their treasure is corrupted. Their hearts are corrupted. And Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Those who desire, those who treasure to be rich. But the scriptures also talk about Christians that are well-to-do and their responsibility. In 1 John, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So there's somebody, a Christian, that is being called upon uh, who has this world's good. Don't know what his W-2 form might have looked like, but he had more than some people. <clears throat> and in 1 Timothy 6, uh, beginning at verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal let, onto eternal life. So he's saying the same thing that Jesus said, just uh, using some different words. Now, these are people with means, but they're to treasure the living God. And, uh, and to be rich in good works, ready to give and share. And by this, they are uh, laying up a treasure for themselves in, uh, in heaven.
these are these are issues that that Christians must if we're disciples of Jesus that we must grapple with a little treasure test to help us determine if our heart if our treasure is in the right place here are a few characteristics of people of those whose treasure is in heaven and yet they are here on the earth and they have things uh, they have this world's things and uh, do things with them their use of their earthly goods figures into their affection for heavenly things see the way they handle the the things of earth that they have figures into their 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 heavenly treasure what they really treasure in heaven it's part of their surrendered life it's part of their worship their reasonable service to god so how they use it their 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 love for god and spiritual things determines how they use and guides how they use their earthly goods they have those things not as their own but it's God's it belongs to God and they realize that they're responsible to him for how they use it they're accountable for how they use the things they have and we don't just look around at uh, you know other folks and figure that uh, those people have more than I do, so this doesn't really apply to me. I think it applies to everybody. We all have something. How do we, how do we look at it? They do not live selfishly, extravagantly. Now, there's certainly variations with that, with where different Christians come out on these things. I do question the testimony and the stewardship of delicious living. I wrote that down. If a financial calamity befalls these folks, they can say the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So it's, it's held loosely it's uh it's not mine to keep at all costs it is available to further the kingdom of god missions relief work and so forth it is available to help others in need and offered cheerfully and not grudgingly Jesus was concerned about wrong values toward material things. He wanted us to treasure heavenly things. Our lives are like a vapor. The things we have are like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. But there are eternal things. And our souls are eternal, and these bodies that will perish will rise again. 
somewhere. So we need guidance on this, and he speaks about guidance here uh, in verses 22 and 23. We'll not, we'll not look into more of those scriptures there, but all of this kind of fits together. And it is important that the lamp of the body be clear, that it, that it be devoted to God. We'd be serving God so we have clear, clear guidance. So what do we treasure? I told the school children, uh, it's been over a year ago at a school chapel, <clears throat> about um, a squirrel that I was watching, a squirrel that demonstrated what desire is. We have a bird feeder in front of the house, and and uh, birds like seeds, um, and so do squirrels, sunflower seeds especially. And <clears throat> I have the bird feeder on top of a six by six treated post, which is very easy for a squirrel to scamper up. So uh, I would have to go out on the uh, out on the front deck there and shout at a squirrel now and then and tell him to go off somewhere else. And they'd run down and take off, and soon they'd be back again. They didn't pay any attention to me very long. And so I put, a, uh, put metal around the uh, post, some aluminum flashing, and then they couldn't climb up. But they were earnest enough about trying that they chewed around the bottom of that, of that aluminum and on one side, there's like a V several inches high where they had chewed it up. No aluminum deficiencies in those squirrels. And all the way around the bottom, it was nibbled on. They, but they did give up on that. But here was what impressed me one day. I was watching out there. And I'd see these squirrels. They'd come and uh, hop around at the, at the foot of the post there, pick up uh, sunflower seeds that got knocked out. And this little squirrel was down there. And then he'd stop picking around and digging through the, the grass and he'd look up. He'd look up at where the birds were eating sunflower seeds. He looked up earnestly. He folded his hands, little hands. He looked reverent, even, and was looking up there. And... <clears throat> Uh, our house is like this, and then there's a little wing that comes out, and the, and the bird feeder's right here. And there's a holly tree in the corner that's high enough it reaches up to the eaves. And, and this was what was interesting. He, uh, he went over to, the, to this holly tree and came up about th to a branch about three feet off the ground and came out as far as he could go and looked up at the, at the bird feeder. It was, it was obvious he was not going to make the leap. So he came back to the, to the trunk, came up higher, and came out again toward the bird feeder as far as he could go and looked longingly at the bird feeder. Couldn't, he knew that wouldn't work. Came back, went up to, to closer to the top and went out as far as he could go. Again, no, 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 no way that he could make that jump. 
Then he hopped over on the roof, went all the way to the end of that little wing, and was down in the gutter, uh, right there where the roof came down in the gutter, and was poised there as though to launch himself, just poised, sticking out over the edge of the roof and looking toward that, that bird feeder. And he was there for maybe 15, 20 seconds, just frozen, thinking, I'm sure, doing some little calculation, physics cal- calculation or something. Can I, could I jump? Could I make it? He decided he couldn't. But he went through that whole thing two or three times, at least twice, before he finally gave up. But there was, there was a desire, not necessarily heavenly things, but there was a desire and earnestness in that little squirrel. And I had to think about him when I uh, read this treasure thing. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, what you value, what you desire, what you're pursuing, that's where your heart will be also. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And as we uh, follow that treasure, pursue that treasure, uh, our appetite grows and, and we're, we want to pursue it more. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And sometime, we'll, we'll, it will lead us, and sometime we will be where that desire takes us. And if our heart's desire is the Lord Jesus and his holy heaven, then some, and we keep pursuing that and treasuring that and living that life here, we will get there. May the Lord help us. Let's have a song.